Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Sales Targeting, How to Attract and Pursue the Right Leads for Your Business. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod367. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am really looking forward to my conversation with today's guest. She's a family and business wealth advisor at Capital Management Group, where she provides confidence and financial independence for individuals and families who are facing life-changing events. She's a member of more associations and forums than I even have time to list right now. She's just incredibly well-networked within the New York City area where she is based. So she's kind of my neighbor here. Welcome to the show, Ivy Menchel. Oh, well, thank you, Elizabeth. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm glad that you could join me. And I just shared a little bit about your bio, but I'd love it if you could actually introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe tell them a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Oh, goodness. Well, so let's see. So most of my clients are going through some sort of transition in life, whether it's divorce, death of a loved one, A lot of my clients are business owners who are looking to or contemplating transitioning out of their business. And a lot of my clients are also just reaching that retirement or financial independence, which I prefer to call it threshold. Um, And when I think about how I started in the business, you know, I come from a family of business owners And I've seen what poor planning or lack of planning can do, both the financial impact and the emotional impact. And I think that I want to, you know, save the world and, you know, help everybody. So so that's kind of how I started. I mean, I don't know how far back you want me to go. No, that's that's great. And I think it's interesting because you studied psychology. I did. And... That's an interesting background for somebody who then went into work in finance, in wealth management. How would you say you have been able to apply some of those principles that you learned as you were studying psychology to the work that it is that you're doing? Because money is pretty tied to, <laughs> to you know, who we are and, and our psychology. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, money is so incredibly emotional and our values are also so closely tied with our money behaviors and our money profiles. Um, and I always joke that it, though I don't have a shingle, you know, hanging outside my door saying psychotherapist, I feel like I play therapist every single day to lots of different people, <laughs> you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you, you know, you really have to you really have to understand what money means to an individual, to a client in order to really work closely with them, you know, and and get them to their, to what their goals are, you know? Absolutely. I mean, when you think about wealth and money, that is how you build your family. That's how you plan for the ways that you're going to um, connect with people, the ways that you're going to travel and engage and, you know, whether you want to leave money behind for people. And and there's so much that's caught up there. Uh, and when I think about the complicated life-changing events that you help your clients through, there's a lot of psychology associated with 
okay, I've decided I want to step away from my business and move to the next stage of my life. And I would imagine just your perspective is probably helpful as you have these conversations with people, whether you're an unpaid or, you know, unlicensed uh, therapist in that role. Well, my fees are not reimbursed by their (laughs) Don't they wish. Right, Uh, exactly. That's that's such a great background. And I, I, I really love that because, you know, you've had a successful career for quite some time now. And when people think about business development or they think about business growth, a lot of times we see that people have strategies that might be effective in the short term but maybe aren't driving long-term success or people have developed habits and best practices and approaches to business development that don't necessarily adjust with the times as, you know, the way people buy, the way people engage, the way people think about things might have changed over time. So I'd love to maybe start our conversation today really hearing from you. What are some of the core principles that you've used for business development that you found are are important to the success that you've experienced in business development over the years? Wow. So I think, you know, I would say probably the two, maybe maybe three most important things really, first of all, is to listen. Uh, and, you know, most people don't have someone or too many people that really listen to them. Yes. I think it's very important to listen to your clients, what's important to them, or, you know, or the same thing with your prospects. What are their concerns? What are their issues? I know people say, oh, like, what keeps them up at night? But really, what's that, you know, those one or two or three things that are really eating away at them? You know, and sometimes they talk about it with other people, and sometimes they don't. I also think you have to really service your clients. Uh That means being there for them. And I guess maybe it even does, now that I'm even saying this out loud, I think that does also tie back to listening to them, what they're trying to achieve. But really make sure that you take care of them and understand, at least for me, to understand like what the money means to them and what their values are. And then build relationships, whether it's with your clients, whether it's with your prospects, whether it's with other professionals just build relationships. I love that because in a way, there's simplicity in that. But first of all, all three of those really build on each other and tie together. And they really speak to a way of approaching your entire career, your entire your entire work life in a way that's very integrated and in a way that, that you can have comfort and confidence that what you're doing lives up to your values. So I want to maybe take a deep dive into each of those and start with listening because you're right. I, when we think about people, you you hear a lot of people don't have trusted people around them that they feel comfortable going to with their real problems and their challenges, especially because money can be a taboo subject. And it can be something that people feel uncomfortable talking about. Being able to really listen and ask the right questions and not listen so you, to cue up the answer that you want to give, but really just openly listen. to what oh, you Totally just hit on target. Yep, totally. 
so incredibly important. So I'd love to hear a bit more about that. You know, I think to your point, I think I certainly have a repertoire of questions that I ask, but when you ask a question, it's important to listen for the answer and then dig a little deeper or take it a little further on what the topic is and not just, you know, ask a question, get an answer, and then move on to something else. I think you really need to dig deep, again, in order to understand what money means, you know, what's important to them, what their values are. It's not just a one or two sentence response. You know, it's definitely a dialogue. So it's really paying attention and not coming to the table with an agenda. Yes, because it's so easy, especially in the context of sales or business development. And it's not a bad thing to have a question that's maybe targeted to figure out, okay, is this person concerned with this topic so that my solution might be appropriate? But that doesn't mean I ask you a question, you know, do you have this problem? You say yes. So here's the solution for you, (laughs) right? Right. That's first of all, I'm off-putting and odd. But second, (laughs) you get so much more information if you just listen and they say, okay, they have that problem. And then getting into, all right, what does that mean for you? How, how do you experience that in your life? Okay, you're interested in exiting your business, but you don't necessarily have a plan for succession, a plan for how you're going to exit the business. I'm not going to immediately jump in and say, you know, please hire me for succession planning. I'm going to say, what have you tried? What, what have you thought of? What are the concerns that you have? It may be that you do end up needing the service that I originally thought you needed, but certainly I'm going to get more insight more understanding of how you actually experience that problem that's at a much more in-depth level than that just kind of check the box succession planning. Right. And, you know, it's almost like asking the questions, listening to the answers, helping them, helping, you know, with their self-discovery. Yes. It's, It's so much more powerful if instead of you bringing the answer, if the person discovers the solution on their own. And the solution doesn't have to be they they don't need you, right? Sometimes the solution is, oh my goodness, I need to develop a succession plan. Can you help me with that? Um, Or whatever the idea might be. But it's it can be very tempting to lead the witness too tightly, you know, too closely. Yes. And people find so much more confidence in a decision if they feel they made the decision on their own than if they feel like you shoved it in their face. Yep. And it it might be that you're going to arrive at the same destination, but allowing them to walk you on that journey is a really important part of it. I I would imagine that this this listening process really leads to the second thing that you mentioned, which is service. And if you're consistently focused during the the prospecting stage, during the stage when you're first meeting these potential clients on really listening to what it is that they care about, and you continue to listen to them in your conversations, <laughs> that likely informs the service that you're able to provide. So what are some of the ways that you think about providing service in in such a way that it aligns with your values and helps to maintain those relationships? I, You know, that's a very good question. I think that if you know what's important to your client, 
um, even when they're asking you for something, and again, if you have a good enough relationship, you can either, you know, because sometimes people aren't necessarily clear what they're asking for also. Yes. So if you understand your client, you know, and even your prospect, if you understand what they're looking to achieve and what are some of their, I guess I'll call them pain points for lack of a better word, but I, I guess as we're talking, maybe I'll think of another word to use. But if you know what they're looking for, you know, what kind of solutions might make sense, you can help them find the right solution for themselves. Or if if they are having some sort of issue to timely address it, uh -huh. you know, if you make some sort of quote mistake, let's say, and something in one of your products, clients are okay with that. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, like, okay, so if their portfolio's down, I mean, and that's not a mistake that I've made, but like, if their portfolio's down, you know, nobody likes that, but I'm not necessarily losing a client for that, right? But if I don't respond to my clients, if I'm not responsive to them, that's how you lose a client. Absolutely. And I love that, that recognition of consistently building on what you learn through the listening to provide the service that you're looking for. Because I think you've identified two key elements of service. One is the just basic providing a customer experience, a client experience that you're proud of, you know, um, being communicative and being, you know, quick to respond and answering questions. But then there's the element of, okay, in the very first conversation, you mentioned complexity with children from various marriages that are involved in your financial situation and keeping that in mind over the course of other conversations. And when you're having a conversation about something else to bring up as a partner, all right, let's think about how this might impact the various children that are involved in your family and the different, you know, the different family structures that they're involved in, however one expresses that politely. And if you're bringing these issues up and you're showing the client, I remember, I care about you. I'm not just having a form that we're filling out. It's a, it's a much different client experience than if they feel like, why don't I just, you know, type information into a, into a computer screen? It's, it's a real value that you're providing. Right. You know, and I do have colleagues that have initial data intake forms. Uh -huh. For me, that is so not part of my practice because gathering the data really helps you learn about your clients. It's not what's on the paper. It's not just, okay, I have these four IRAs and this company retirement plan and, you know, two homes. It's not that. It's what do each of those assets mean to you? How did you acquire that? You know, how did it come to you? Maybe something was an inheritance. You're not going to get that on a data intake form. So it's all about the conversation. Absolutely. That's so important. And, it, you know, it's not a bad thing to have a checklist because you don't want to forget to ask about houses or IRAs or some other category. But there is a big difference in you know, I send you an email, please list your properties, list your list your retirement accounts versus having a conversation about it. Or even if you had to, you know, depending on your process to say, feel free, please provide me with these. And then I'd like to talk through with you. You know, you can you get so much more in a real conversation than just 
just the data, just the information. It's so easy to miss things. And it's so easy for the client to not at all recognize the difference, the importance. I don't think many of us always recognize what things mean to us, right? There, there, there could be the silliest thing that you own. You know, I, I have a crystal bowl from my grandma and it's probably not worth anything, but it's special. And she collected crystal bowls and she made sure that each of her granddaughters got one. And that's not something that I would include on a list if somebody said list all of your assets or something, but it's got an emotional thought to it. And well, and it's probably one of your more meaningful, meaningful assets. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I'm more likely to think of it if we're in conversation and you're asking me questions than again, if I'm just filling out a form listing things. And so really for that, for that service, I, I love that your, your definition of service is really built on the listening is built on conversation. I think all of it really builds to that last principle that you shared about building relationships. And I know that's a key part of your work in that, you know, the, the 15 million different associations and forums that you're <laughs> part of, that I didn't have time to list. Right. So what are some of the ways you think about building relationships? You already mentioned, you know, building relationships both with clients and prospects as well as a, a network outside of that. And I'd love to hear just some of the principles that you followed over the years as you've built these relationships. You know, I have to say, I don't even think that it's conscious. Uh -huh. So I want to say that part of it feels as if it comes more naturally you know, some people it just comes more naturally, but I think being genuine, uh -huh. being engaged, you know, I can't even say that I know what I do consciously. I just think that, and, um, you know, going back to listening, being engaged, participating, um, staying informed on what's going on with them, uh -huh. what's happening in their lives. And what's important and meaningful to them, too. So, I mean, I have made this mental note now about your crystal ball and don't think that next time we speak to each other, I'm not going to ask you about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I love that, you know, you note that this is something that maybe is just a bit inherent to who you are and how you approach the world. But it is also something that I notice it's a real caring that you have and it's a value that you're providing and noticing in people. It's not just about having a one-time conversation. Are you going to be my client or not? Right. Instead, it's about having real connections with people and really caring about what it is that they care about. I see a lot of people when they think of networking, they have the very natural question of, you know, what's in it for me and what can I get out of a person? Mm -hmm. But you're not going to have a long-term relationship with somebody if it's all about what can I get from you. Right. And it's not fun for you either. I, I don't think many of us really enjoy the feeling of I'm just getting, getting, getting in a relationship and I'm not getting back. I mean, first of all, it feels unfair <laughs> and I feel like probably you're going to dump me, but it's also not very emotionally satisfying. Right. It has to be balanced. It certainly needs to be balanced. And it's interesting, as you were just saying that, I was thinking, well, no, when I meet people, I try to think first, what can I do for them? Uh -huh. You know, what's what's the saying? Uh, Givers get? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think to some people that comes more naturally 
than it does to others. Certainly. But making sure, you know, if you're going to an event of some sort, and we're talking um, in early December, this episode won't go up until uh, January, but still there's a lot of holiday events and, and, you know, get togethers that people might have. And it's so tempting to be, to talk about yourself and to, um, you know, you go into an event and you think about what do I need to get out of it? But to make it a goal to say each person that I talk to, I want to learn about their business and what kind of prospects they're looking for or what kinds of goals they have for their organization. They're going to think you are the most interesting and fascinating person they've ever met. (laughs) If you spend most of your time asking about them than talking about yourself. Just so true. <laughs> right. And 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 they truly appreciate where they truly appreciate that. So you know, just a couple of weeks ago I was at an event. I met this attorney and you know, I asked a couple of questions. I don't even think I got much in. And by the time I got home that night, I had already gotten an email from him, how wonderful it was meeting me and how he enjoyed our conversation to your point, (laughs) you know, it was like, I feel like it wasn't much of a conversation. You monologued at me, but hey, (laughs) however, right. However, I will certainly get together with him again. And then I can, you know, let him know a little bit more about what I do. But to your point, people love talking about themselves and I actually love listening. So it works. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, people are fascinating and there are some people who are maybe not so interesting out there, but I firmly believe that everybody has at least something interesting about them. Maybe it's, you know, one thing in their personal life and and nothing in their professional life is that fascinating, (laughs) but everybody's got something and it's fun to explore that and to see somebody's eyes light up because they're talking about something that they're passionate about and that they really care about is really fun. And it's a lot more interesting than just trying to have a dry conversation. You know, what do you do for your job? Oh, this is what I do for my job. Um, to ask people what it is they care about, what it is they're, they're struggling with, they're working on. A question that we've been asking people lately is, you know, a year from now, what would you like to be celebrating? I love that question. And you hear the most interesting things from people. And even people who say, I'm not sure, but I need to think about that. I feel that that's probably a gift to them that they can consider it and think about it. And maybe they won't share it with us, but maybe they will. And it's a good way to frame kind of goal setting. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. So something that I love about your career, and and you can really see in the success that you've had over the years, is you've been able to adjust as the business world has, has changed around you and as the world of business development has changed around you. And I can see through the principles that you shared so far a lot of why that's happened because, you know, things like listening and providing good service and building long-term relationships, that's always, that's never going out of style. But I would love to hear from you. What are some of the big changes that you've seen in the way people buy, in the way people sell or are sold to that have impacted the way you do business and the way you communicate with people? So I, I think the first thing that popped into my head was so in the old days um i used to have to cold call to me so one i guess i i was kind of lucky and i say that in quotation marks (laughs) because i was a female in a male-dominated industry which by the way i still am a female in a male-dominated industry so 
most people were not cold called by a female. So I did have sort of an advantage in that respect. But I needed to have my spiel, let's say, down pat. And it's so funny, I haven't cold called in what, like 20, 25 years? And I, till, I could still give you that whole spiel. Okay. So. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, and I think, I think now, of course, I don't really get cold. Well, actually, I don't even think anybody cold calls anymore. And if they do, I would imagine it'd be, you know, very challenging because people don't even pick up the phone. You know, when I started, the internet wasn't around. Well, it was around, but it wasn't around for commercial use. You know, so it was very different then. I'd say probably, so I cold called, which I always make a joke. That's because I was born beautiful, not rich, and mommy and daddy didn't give me any trust to manage, so I actually had to build my practice. Um, <laughs> and, you know, everything was everything was in person. You know, now that's not necessarily the case. You know, even things like workshops and educational webinars, they don't necessarily need to be in person. They can be, on, you know, online. So... I think you have to work harder to build those relationships now because they're not necessarily in person. Now, the other side of it is, so if somebody gives my name to, you know, a colleague or a family member or a friend, it's also so easy for them to get information about me, which in the old days, it wasn't. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's for, for good and for bad. Exactly. That's what I was just saying. It certainly has its pros and its cons, you know. I mean, the good news is if you Google me, I don't really know of anything bad that comes up, <laughs> you know, so all the arrests I have have been wiped away. <laughs> your, your dark criminal history has is, is, is passed. Let's, you know, to, to what we've been talking about already, you know, two things. Certainly, I think of over the years that I've been doing the work that I do, I've been at Criteria for Success for almost 15 years now. And I think of how many clients that we would speak to, even just a few years ago, who would say, yeah, the close rate when we can get a client to come into our office or when we can get a meeting in the client office is twice as high, three times as high as when we can't get that to happen. And now you might not be able to get that to happen. Maybe there isn't an office to come to for either party. And so it, it's very different in that way. And in some ways, it's much more challenging. But then in other ways, the time that we would have spent traveling, the time that we would have spent, you know, the geographic limitations that we had, those have been removed. And so you could have, you shouldn't, but you could have meetings back to back to back to back all day long. And you're not commuting anywhere, but, you know, sitting at your desk the whole time. So Abby, did you look at my calendar? Did you know that? <laughs> I'm not exactly surprised to hear it. And, you know, it, there, there's that silver lining to a situation that, that is challenging. And then the idea of people being able to look you up, it drives even more the importance of having a reputation that you're proud of. And if you understand what your values are and you're consistently living out your values, you're making sure that people don't have bad things to say about you because you've, you've been a positive benefit in their lives. You don't have to worry about prospects having access to you. It's just like if you sold a product, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you could know that when my salespeople call about this product, a person has probably never heard of it, and they can send 
our PDF over and that'll tell you all about the product. And that information can be very carefully curated to reflect us in the absolute best light. And now, before you ever make the call, before you ever make an outreach, the customer can look up anywhere and they'll see all of the negative reviews of your product and all of the positive reviews and how it matches up against all of the different competitors. And it it puts all of us, whether it's about your personal brand or about the the offering that you have, it puts us in a position of doing the work to be presentable, to be discoverable, and to be proud of what it is people would find out about us. And there are some people and some organizations and some products that really don't like that level of, of transparency, that level of sunshine. But uh, it really does speak to if you've lived according to your values, if you have an approach that you're proud of, have a product, have a service that you're proud of, you shouldn't have to be too worried about anything that might be visible when people do look you up. Yeah, I totally, I absolutely agree with you. Never do anything that you would be embarrassed of, you know, and that that has truly been that's truly been my mantra. Yeah. Yeah. If a decision you made were on the front page of a newspaper tomorrow morning, would you not be able to get out of bed? Um, that's that's a concern. And um, that really, you know, what's interesting, too, is when it comes to information about you, there's information about you as a person. There's information about your product and your service. And there's also information about your company and the culture and all of that is something that people care about more than they used to. You know, there are companies that I don't like to buy from because I know how they treat their employees. And five, 10 years ago, you wouldn't necessarily know that. Maybe you wouldn't care, but culturally now, we're much more aware of it. And that's something as people are considering the choices they make as leaders and the cultures that they're looking to support, it is really important to think, would I buy from a company that does this? Would I buy from a company that treats their employees like this? And those are questions that maybe we should have always been asking, but the importance of it is even more clear now than it might have been before. And even, you know, quite frankly, um, even some clients, when they think about investing, they think about what the company does. Same thing when they're like putting together their estate. People are much more conscious of all of that. Like, how are they being treated? All of that is a big part of many people's considerations these days. I agree with you. Absolutely. It's not just what firms can I invest in that are going to give me the greatest return. But, you know, to what we were just talking about, if my stock portfolio, if my investment portfolio were on the front page of the New York Times or the Washington Post or, you know, Google, it doesn't matter, would I be embarrassed about it? And it's very different, you know, um, without getting into any real specifics. I mean, just thinking about um, environmental impacts or social justice impacts or other things, you know, do you not want to be involved in an industry because it's not something that you support? And I would imagine that adds some complexity to the work that you do, but also must be very satisfying when you're able to put creative solutions together for clients that do align with their values. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And, you know, your question before, like what has changed over the years, it's become much more important to be conscious and socially responsible than it was years ago. So yeah, a lot of things have changed, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's it's most of them, it seems like there's a good side and a side that might be a little challenging. But if you're able to leverage the change, if you're able to build on what it's taken to get to where you are, 
and continue and move that forward. That's a whole lot easier than, you know, it doesn't sound like you've had to reinvent yourself every time a new change has come out, but instead you've become more of who you are and really been able to apply those same principles. All right. A question I always like to ask our guests is what are some trends that you're paying attention to as you look forward for the rest of this year? We've talked about some of the changes so far, but is there anything that you're really keeping an eye on? Um, You know, I'm always paying attention to, you know, what kind of trends there are, right? So COVID, COVID and the pandemic changed certain things, how people think about retiring. You know, some people are incredibly ready to like get me out now. (laughs) And some people are like, you know what? I think I want to continue working a little bit longer. So paying attention to those trends are important. It's also, if you're a business owner, it's important to know where the valuations are of companies. And and of course, the economy ties into all of this. What else am I? I mean, besides like the typical financial stuff that I'm paying attention to. Yeah, I just, I find myself having a lot of conversations with people. What does the next chapter look like for you? And I would say that more people have an answer to that now than when I used to ask that, let's say, to go. So, and I think that the pandemic has given us, and I'll call it an opportunity, the opportunity to look at things a little differently. Yes. It, it, the number of people who had a chance to take a step back, maybe because they, their work changed um, or unfortunately they weren't working or even just the, the move to work from home and, and seeing what it's like. Maybe if, you know, if you're partnered and you were both working from home to see your partner how they are at work, which is a, which is, can be very eye-opening and see what it is that they do in their job. That's really interesting. Yep. And all of that is a, is a huge opportunity for reflection and to think. I know um, one of my siblings is actually, they got um, a big RV camper thingy. Um, <laughs> I'm clearly, I'm not in RV world, but um, there's very nice, I'm sure. And they are spending so much more of their time traveling the country and being able to stay in a self-contained unit. So they're not worried about, you know, going to a hotel like during peak pandemic season. It was much safer to be in their RV. And see the country and see the world through that and the ability to work remotely and make that happen and and continue to be a part of their normal lives while still being on the road was a was a great discovery over the course of the pandemic and has enabled them to do a lot that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise so it is interesting how how the time that people had the the situations that there were i'm sure we all lost people and we all experienced difficult situations over the course of COVID, but to find the silver linings, to find the bright spots can help as we continue to process. I love that. And I'm very jealous that your sister did that. Oh, actually, you didn't say sister. You said sibling. Sister, though. You're right. I've got four sisters and one brother. So anything I say about a sibling is much more likely to be a sister. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, process of elimination. And um, I actually, that's so funny because I actually personally wanted to rent an RV when we first got locked down to do exactly what your sister is doing. I guess other people thought of that idea before I did. And there <laughs> weren't any left by the time I went to do that. So, so much yep. for that. Definitely. Yeah, they bought one. And I'm sure it was probably not the cheapest price they could have gotten it, considering when. But they've more than gotten their money's worth out of it. Um, although they're 
they're very happy gas prices are going down because, oh my goodness, you not get good mileage with those things. Yeah, that's for sure. But you can certainly let them know if they want to rent it out to somebody for a while. Maybe we can strike a deal. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, Ivy, a question I always like to ask our guests is, are there any resources that you would recommend to our listeners? They could be resources that you've discovered in the past that you keep coming back to, or just, you know, whether it's a blog, whether it's a book, um, or, or any other resource that you find is helpful to you as you approach your day-to-day? Yeah. So first of all, I have a workbook that I created that helps people get in touch with what money means to them, which is titled Defining Your Wealth, Defining Your Wealth Workbook. Again, because I think it's so critical to be in touch with what money means to you. But also a lot of people are very uncomfortable when it comes to finances and their financial knowledge So I think there are two books that I like. One, Does This Make My Assets Look Fat, which is written written by uh, Susan Hirschman, who's a friend of mine. It's a great book. And then there's another one, Smart Couples Finish Rich, which is written by David Bach. And then if you're a business owner who's, who's contemplating, or you may not even be there yet, but Well, at some point, every business owner exits their business, whether it's vertically or horizontally. Every (laughs) business owner leaves. So there's a book by John Leonetti, which is Exiting Your Business, Protecting Your Wealth, that I also strongly recommend. Definitely. Those sound like excellent resources. All right. If listeners want to learn more about you and your work, where can they find you? Well, they can Google me, of course, but uh, they can reach me. My phone number is 212-309-9898. And uh, my website, my company website is cmgnewyork.com slash Ivy Menchel. Perfect. Or they could just click the or just click our team and they can find me. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll make sure to include those links in the show notes. Thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, Ivy. I've really appreciated our conversation. Oh, this was great, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything we've been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three, six, seven. If you enjoyed the show today, please recommend us to a friend. That's the best way to help more people discover it. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure to do that right now. You can subscribe for free on whatever platform it is that you're listening to us on. We love feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or email us if you've got direct feedback, questions, suggested guests that we should talk to. Email us at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ryland Sylvester. What are you doing to enable buying today?